Well, good morning, everyone. I cannot believe it's, it's been two months. I've been trying to milk it as long as I could. <laughs> but eventually, all the sorrowful faces I could make couldn't... Steve just kicking me out, dragging me to the pulpit. I said, all right, all right. <laughs> anyway, and thanks to Martha. I got new uh, preaching garb for the Sunday <laughs> from this morning. So anyway, mele kaliki maka, and next week, haole makiki ho, which means Happy New Year in Hawaiian. All right, so it's good to be back. I can't believe it's been two months. <laughs> um, this passage of Scripture, I hope when, when James was reading it, that you got to see of extremely important text in the history of this world. We're talking about a text in which it's not simply a matter of, well, it's just read this time of year, and think that you can read any time of year naturally. But it is on the mind of, of so many around the world, millions of people, just untold millions, that are looking at the, the birth of Christ from a variety of perspectives. I mean, I cannot imagine a place naming the name of Jesus in a place of worship, not dealing with his birth in some way. Whether it's this week where there's blog posts, whether there's articles, discussions, Bible studies, liturgies, depends on uh, where you have the Bible readings um, in these various uh, churches, that they're discussing all of these things, including the meaning, as some would say, of of what's called Christmas. Biblically speaking, I want you to think through this text that was just read for us in this discussion between Gabriel, the angel of God, and Mary. Can you imagine that you are this young girl and you are being told that you're going to give birth to a son? And I, I don't know if it was Steve last week that was mentioning how, you know, how scandalous this would be, this scenario. I'm going on a whole different vein of thought now from that. After all that is over, and she's thinking through all those ramifications of how she may be perceived, there's also a positive side. Can you imagine as, as moms-to-be, right? All those who are mothers right now and, and those who are seeking to become mothers in the future, the experience of, of being pregnant and thinking of the future of your child. Have you ever thought like what examples or um, illustrations in your mind would pop and think about this is what my child is going to do as you dream of their future? I can. In fact, speaking of this reflection, Julie reminded me, as, as they often do it from time to time, when the first three times we were pregnant, we had three beautiful girls, and on the fourth, Julie and I just got into the room where you do the ultrasound, and, and at times we chose not to know, and other times we did, and this time we wanted to know, are we having the fourth Davis doll, or are we going to have the heir, <laughs> you know? <laughs> The sun. And when I saw what I saw, and I don't know much about the pictures on the, the thing, but when I saw we are having a child, there was just another level of joy that Mitch Davis went to. So much so that the rest of the world got to share in my joy 
we went to Cracker Barrel, and I think Julie can confirm or deny, I think I went to every table in the restaurant <laughs> and showed them the picture, I'm having a son. Showed the waitress, showed the hostess and everyone else. I was so proud and happy that God would bless us with not just the three girls that we're having, but now we get to have a son. And there were dreams. What would happen with this firstborn son? And it's not that you don't have those dreams with your daughters. I, I had those, but it was just this another uh, first, if you will. And so as a result, you, you think about, okay, what would happen when Mitchell Dane, in this case, when Mitchell Dane would, would grow up, what would he be like? I can imagine Mary thinking through these things. There's a beautiful song, right, by Mark Laurie, Mary Did You Know? I love it. I only heard of the song for the first time two years ago. I didn't know it was in existence before that. At least if I did, I don't remember. And began listening to those words and how beautiful. Of course, the song is written from a past tense, but looking to the future, right? Did you know? As if this is what's already going to happen, as if it has happened. And he says, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Will one day save our sons and daughters? Or Mary, did you know that, he, that your baby boy would one day give sight to a blind man or calm a storm with his hand? And, and the song goes on, just beautiful, beautiful words. There's no way Mary could have dreamt of those specific acts. I mean, would you ever dream of your child walking on water, realistically speaking. Or that your child will be the one that will actually take people who are blind and mute and deaf and lame and heal them, physically heal them, perfectly sound, healthy human beings. I cannot imagine Mary would have dreamt of those things. Unless it was divinely revealed, Mary could only dream of what would be normal life for them. You know, she might, he might become the very next best carpenter, you know, under the apprenticeship of his father. He might, and then you just fill in the blanks of all these different things. And of course, as any parent who loves God, you would want the very best for your child in service to their Lord. And so I can imagine that Mary would be thinking along the lines of, how faithful will he be in his walk with God? We do have divine revelation, right? We're told by Gabriel, or Mary is told by Gabriel, he's going to be great. And he's going to bring salvation to this world. But I cannot imagine that she would understand all that was meant in those words. I can imagine that Mary being a devout Jew as she would and, and going uh, to the synagogues and then also making their trip to Jerusalem as they, as they have, that she would know the history of the coming of the Messiah and wondering, is this what Gabriel meant? But for all that, here's the thing about this. Because as we look through the scriptures about all these passages here in, in Matthew 14 about his healing individuals walking on water, Matthew 14, him walking on water. Um, I think it's easy for us when we have hindsight to go, absolutely. 
and just nod our heads. This is, this is what God said was going to happen. Of course it's going to happen. But imagine if God came to you, would you believe? I mean, see how difficult it was for Sarah, faithful child of God, who laughed in her heart or laughed out loud. I don't remember it exactly, but laughing when told at this time next year, you're going to have a child. I'm too old. There's no way. What you, how would you react? These are the things I want us to think about. We, it's a very short sermon today, and it's just because I just have a particular point I want us to focus on, not because of um, it's December 24th, but I just want you to go away with this one major point. And so I want you to see it. But before we get to that major point, I want us to look at vantage points first, because oftentimes we look at things from our own humanistic vantage point looking at life. And from a human point of view, Mary could not have dreamt up all that her son was going to do. There's no way, right? All she has is life's experiences and then the hindsight of seeing, oh, okay. And that brings us to the other point of view, when you have hindsight. You know, like how you are in a situation, you're in a pickle and you wonder, how will I ever get out of this situation? It just seems impossible. And then you get out of the situation for however you're gotten, you've gotten out and you thank God for it, and you look with hindsight going, I should have trusted in the Lord to begin with. We've done that, right? And so we've got this vantage point looking ahead, not knowing the situation. You've got the vantage point of looking with this hindsight, right? Mary, from a hindsight perspective, could look back on the cross after just being distraught in great tears about his death, years after his glorious birth, but she could see with hindsight, this is why he went to the cross for my salvation, for the world's salvation. And then you get to have God's perspective, if you will. And knowing that God is sovereign and how Mary could say, this is why God used me in this situation. I don't know if I was the deserving. I don't think it was anything to do with deserving, but God chose to use me and, and I became his vessel for a particular purpose that he had for this world. See, all this is good as we're reading scripture, right? But what happens when you take the scripture and come to the year 2017 and look at your life? You see, God is using every single one of us in this room, let alone in this world. Every single human being. He uses for his glory. And we wonder how, or we wonder why. You know, how does God even have a relationship with, with these other people in the world who have nothing to do with him? Guess what? God has a very intimate relationship. He may not have fellowship, okay? But the relationship is he is the creator of every single person. Do you not think that our God would be intimately aware of every soul that he's ever created? The answer is yes. Biblically speaking, a yes. When the scripture says, well, I do not know you, depart, me, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, he is using a metaphoric understanding that I don't have fellowship with you. And so from that standpoint, I don't know you. You're not in my book of life. Your name is not written there. 
okay? And so it is with this understanding in mind that we get to see how God can use every single person. And that means as you listen to this sermon that you come away with this point. What about us? What about me? Does God use me? Right? Do you ever dream or think of how God, if you are claiming to be a child of God, and you're here with us this morning, have you ever thought through how God can or would use you in a very real, substantial way for the glory of his kingdom? I'd like to think you have or that you would. In fact, I would go one step further in saying you should think about it. Because there are many passages like Ephesians chapter 2, right? We read verses 8, 9, and 10. In verse 10, we are created in his workmanship or as his workmanship for every good work. That's who we are in Christ. The question is, how can you tell whether or not you are, in fact, being used for his glory? That's where I want us to look at two passages that bring this one point home. Okay? I want us to start in Romans chapter 9. I want you to look at this text. This is a difficult text in some ways because you get into the whole um, Calvinistic debate, if you will, about God's sovereignty, about man himself. And, and when you do, it's easy for us to, to kind of go from one extreme to the other versus looking at the simple truth. And in the truth here is our God is a sovereign God. We may have free will, and our free will can be exercised, and he allows us to exercise that free will, but he is still a sovereign God, and, and he uses the lives through the choices that we've made, and we've seen that ample, ample scriptures that bring this point out. And this is what Paul is dealing with in Romans chapter 9. And I want you to look from verse 21. In fact, we'll back up before verse 21. Look at verse 14. He's bringing it from a national level down and to, to an um, individual illustration. So Romans chapter 9, about Israel who rejected God. There's the free will, right, as a nation. What shall we say then, verse 14? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he who says, Moses, I will ha- or for he who, um, says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then, it is not him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. Paul goes on. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. That's an amazing text that Paul uses as a quotation to deal with the sovereignty of God and how he used this individual for his own glory, okay? So therefore, Paul says in verse 18, he has mercy on whom he wills and whom he wills he hardens. You will say to me then, well, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? Indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God will the thing formed say to to him who formed it why have you made me like this does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor now it would be easy for us to come away thinking well I have no choice I have no free will 
that's not the point of this text. And in fact, we're going to go to another scripture that shows us that's not the point when God's sovereignty is in play. God's sovereignty does not take away our choice. But here's the thing. The truth is God is going to use you as a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor, if you will. You have to be able to ask yourself, what kind of vessel are you? Because God has it in your power, and I use that word very specifically and intentionally. It is within you that he has given the gift of free choice to exercise the power of what you want to do, how you want to live your life. You want to live it for him? Imagine what can transpire of your life. Go to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and then I'll, I'll use an illustration about how this comes to pass. 2 Timothy chapter 2. All right. So in verse 14 of this text, Paul is writing to Timothy about how the Lord's church should behave. He says in verse 14, Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers, but be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Boy, we could take that to heart. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus, Philetus, they are of this sort, who strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and, and they overthrow the faith of some. So what he is saying is, I want you guys to, to be godly people in how you behave with one another. And now look at these brethren who have turned from the faith, how they have made their choice, and, and their behavior is like cancer. And then he says this in verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. He's saying, you make the choice. If you name the name of Jesus Christ, you depart from iniquity. And then he adds this statement. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. If you just go back a, a day, a week, a month, a year, five years, ten years, if you're old enough, go back as long as you're able, could you foresee the choices you've made, and what it's done to the glory of God. And some of you would be saying anywhere from absolutely, yes, I can, but I never imagined it would be amazing like this, or I don't feel that sense of purpose. I don't, you know, I, I just live my life, and I, I come to church services. I come to some of the Bible studies, but honestly, being a Christian doesn't have any 
full meaningfulness other than I just want to be saved. That's not what God wants for you. God wants every one of us in his kingdom to be used in such a glorious manner that pages could be written of our lives if people were so inclined. God would want to use you as his vessel of honor. Our faith in what he has done for us should translate and transform our lives in such a manner that the conviction is so great that we go out and we are ordinary people, just like Mary, but God can use extraordinarily because he is God. That's what he can do for us. I know some of us know of individuals growing up in the Lord's church, little little boys running around with their snotty faces, and you wonder, how in the world could they ever serve in the kingdom of our Lord, right? And those snotty faces now serve as elders, <laughs> deacons. They serve in a way that go out into the world and share the gospel. And I'm not just talking about preachers. I'm just talking about Christians who share the good news. Individuals that stand up to trials with pure tenacity in faithful conviction to Jesus Christ. You're talking about Christians who have amazing character flaws, right? That if, if they were to be exposed to everyone in great detail, you wonder how could they ever be servants for the Lord and being used gratefully, not G-R-A-T-E, although they should be grateful, but gratefully, G-R-E-A-T, for the Lord's kingdom. Ordinary people doing amazing things, not because they are amazing themselves, but because God is using them as his vessel of honor. So if we come full circle, come back to this passage of what was read by James in, 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 in uh, Luke chapter 1, when you read from verse 26 following, you see that here is this young, what we might say girl from our vantage point for those of us who are older, but this young mother-to-be. How will God use this vessel? Well, we have the hindsight. She's a vessel of honor and was used with greatness for the kingdom's sake. How she would raise her son, how her son would come to love and respect his mother and his father, that is, earthly parents, and how you'd come to love God with all his heart, soul, and mind. The influence that you have, you yourself may think, well, there's nothing been, been going on directly in my life, but you may have affected someone else's life that have done amazing things that you marvel at. And you have a role, whether it's a large role as far as how we can measure roles, decisions, or small from a humanistic vantage point, it's all important to the glory of God. Every one. It's just a matter of whether or not you're being used as a vessel of honor or dishonor. Are you being used for the glory of God's kingdom or to show his glory by virtue of his wrath, if you will? So here's the thing that when we, when we talk about these things and we come back and bring it to us, you know, Mary didn't know everything that would happen, Right? The angel never said he's going to walk on water. He's going to say a blind, uh, the blind and everything like that. We, we don't have specifics as to those things, but these specifics actually came to pass. 
And it's okay if you don't know. You know what I like about not knowing? Is that God giving us the free will that with our not knowing, we can do amazing things. Again, because he uses us for his glory. The things that are going on in the congregation of our, our church family, where this morning, the fact that um, our brother could, could talk to us about Lynn and Jerry and ask for prayers, some of us might, might think nothing of it. Okay, we'll pray for him. And others are on the far extreme going, and we know how powerful prayer is. In seeing that it's possible that God could take an ungodly, unrighteous person who is now our brother in Christ and now with, with his uh, fiance, a sister in Christ, and no telling the kind of people they'll be able to reach for his glory. Did you know that? So we have a part in all of this, and not just with Lynn, right? Kenny could have used any other brother or sister in Christ that, that has obeyed the gospel while incarcerated. Or other individuals that you've come to know, don't, they don't have to be in jail. They don't have to be in prison. They don't have to be homeless. They could be your next-door neighbor. They could be your niece or nephew, your grandchild, a friend. And you would have had a part in that, big or small, because you're a vessel of his honor and his glory. So that, that song, Mary, did you know? You can apply it to yourself. You know, Mitch, did you know that one day he'd be preaching the gospel? <laughs> you know, and I, I remember the first time I was told, and um, Andy and Kathy Barrett, the ones who taught me the gospel, Kathy would say, Mitch, I've been praying and praying. I think within five years you'll be preaching the gospel. I laughed. Because first of all, I thought you have to be a nerd to preach. <laughs> I'm just being honest. <laughs> but I am told I am a nerd, so all right. <laughs> I was told that, that I'd be married, I'd have children. I mean, not that she's a prophetess or anything like that. I'm just saying I, couldn't, I wasn't thinking along those lines. 25 years of preaching now. So thankful to God. So many people that I've come into contact all over the world because Christians, my brothers and sisters in Christ, financially paid for my way to go to these places to share good news and reach lost souls, let alone right here in our own backyard. How wonderful. I'm so glad that I have all these experiences. The fact that, that this congregation supports our family allows us to be able to continue having these kinds of decisions and memories because of the choices that you and I are making together. And what amazing future we can have. Who knows what will take place in the next 24 hours? Who will turn to the Lord? Who will do amazing things standing up for Jesus in light of great trials? But I want you to think of that, of your life. Kids, if you can understand this lesson, think of your life how you can be used in your walk with Jesus Christ. Brethren, if you're older, and when I say older, I mean you would be considered a senior among us, how glorious the, the responsibility 
and the ability that you have with the years of service that you have in the kingdom, how great your life can be. We have scriptures in Luke chapter 1 talking of these individuals, right? So that's what I want you to think of. Did you know that God is using you as a vessel? You make the choice of how you want to be used as a vessel. You want it to be used for his honor and glory because he will use you as such. If you want to be cancer, then he will use you as a vessel of dishonor. You choose. You also have a choice if you're here this morning and you've not been walking with God and you want to return to him or if you've never walked with him to begin with, you can choose to die to this old person, this man of sin, and God will gloriously and even miraculously, and I don't even know how it works, but he will take you and make you a new creation, resurrected for new life, a new walk, one that has fellowship with him, one in which you can be a vessel in the kingdom of our Lord that brings him glory and honor an amazing, amazing life in Jesus Christ. That's your invitation. Take advantage of that invitation while you have breath as we stand and sing the song.